You are listening to a Sunday sermon from St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Bellevue, Washington. We are a community that seeks God's presence, serves Christ and others, and grows together in faith. Welcome to our podcast. The following sermon was preached on the seventh Sunday of Easter, May 24th, 2020, by the Reverend Lex Breckenridge, rector at St. Thomas. Jesus to teach them how to pray. 
And he responds responds with what we call the Lord's Prayer. He says, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven. But here in John's Gospel, Jesus teaches his friends to pray by praying for them. Right up front, we hear him say something pretty amazing. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How many times have we heard eternal life described that way? And I think not often. In John's Gospel, Jesus frequently talks about eternal life. And he says often that he brings eternal life to those who give themselves to him. You know, in many ways, eternal life in John is what we hear Jesus describing as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven in uh, the other three Gospels. It's the time when justice and peace and healing and reconciliation cover the earth. The time when sores will be beaten into plowshares and the lamb will lie down with the lion on that beautiful vision from the prophet Isaiah. But there's a different aspect to eternal life as Jesus described in John's Gospel. For one thing, it begins right now. Eternal life isn't somewhere out in the future in some imagined place that's distant and far away from where we are right now. It's here in our relationship to Jesus and through Him in our relationship to God. The key here is what it means to know God. That doesn't have anything to do with creeds or doctrines or dogmas or any other kind of belief statements. It's not something that's, that's going on up here in the head. Knowing means being in relationship with God. Now, for lots of folks, let's face it, the whole idea of God can feel pretty abstract. It's hard to imagine a relationship with an abstract concept, isn't it? So let's go back to the very beginning of John's Gospel and the most important theme of John's Gospel. That most important theme of John's Gospel is the Incarnation. Jesus, God has become a human being. Listen to the familiar words of the beginning of John. It's actually a third creation story. You know, there are two that begin uh, in the book of Genesis, chapters 1 through 3. Then here in the first chapter of John, there's a third creation story. In the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and lives among us. And the creation story, John's creation story, continues like this. No one has ever seen God. It is God's only Son who is close to the Father's heart, who's made him there. So what did Jesus mean God actually do? In John's Gospel, Jesus' mighty acts of power are called signs. And there's seven of them. Those signs and what they might be are going to be the subject of the next Bible study that I'll be offering beginning next Tuesday. I hope you'll come and join us for that. It's uh, 10 o'clock, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, we live stream it and it's, it's recorded and uploaded. Now, sometimes we hear signs referred to as miracles. But did you know that the term miracle isn't used in any of the four Gospels? That's something that we've imposed on the story. None of Jesus' works are ever described as miracles in any of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, these events are called deeds of power. And in John, they're called signs. 
Now, while they're certainly meant to serve as symbols, they're also literal and material. After all, back to John's creation story, Jesus is the one through whom all things are made. The glory of God is revealed through the concrete stuff of the material world. Through water and bread and wine and mud and saliva and sickness and death. All of these are important elements in one more of the seven psalms. I mean, the guests at the wedding feast of Canaan really did keep, keep on drinking good wine. The man who had been born blind really did gain his sight when Jesus rubbed a mix of mud and spit in his eyes. I love that story. It's so earthy, isn't it? You know, Jesus reaches in, spits in the ground, takes that, that uh, mixture of blood and spit, places it on the man's eyes. That tactile contact, and now the man can see. 5,000 people really were fed when a little boy's offering five barley loaves and two fish was, was given to Jesus and offered up. Lazarus, as bad as he smelled after Jesus called him out of the tomb, really did have dinner with his family the next night. Jesus' signs, the signs of God work in the world, work through creation. And not in spite of creation or in violation of the laws of nature. They are, these signs are part of creation. And the signs, every one of them, are about how Jesus provides for his people. He feeds the hungry. He heals the paralyzed and blind. He gives comfort in the midst of fear when he walks on raging sea to his disciples who are cowering in fear on a storm false boat. And he comes to them and he says, I am. And finally, in the raising of Lazarus, he shows that death is not the end of our story. So these signs, these concrete, earthy signs, Show us what eternal life looks like. They show us what a real relationship with God looks like and feels like. A relationship that invites us to trust and then comes right back to us in love. Jesus closes this part of his prayer for his friends and for you and for me by saying, I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. Now, just take a moment and think about that. In this prayer, not only are we, you and I, individual women and men, one with God, we are one with each other, all throughout the world, through God. That's about as good a piece of news as I can imagine, particularly in these troubled times. We are not alone. We live in God through Christ and live with each other through God and Christ. Early on that same evening as Jesus is telling his friends goodbye, he says, Very truly I tell you, one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. So as we move from Easter and the Resurrection to the Feast of Pentecost, which we'll celebrate next Sunday, it's the birthday of the church, we need to 
know that we have a part in fulfilling these promises of the resurrection. We have our own role to play. As you'll see in your worship sheet this morning, as we announced uh, last week, uh, we uh, we here in the, we, we at St. Thomas have uh, made uh, gifts to various of our ministry partners. So we are in the world that God's made with God's love, that God loves. We right here in the eternal now can be signs of God's love. And back to those uh, gifts that we made to our ministry partners, I'm going to share with you a very tangible way in which you, the St. Thomas community, have been a concrete, material sign of God's love. You know, for many years we have had a, a partnership with the, the good people of the Iglesia de la Resurrección uh, in, in the Skagit Valley. It's that uh, Episcopal mission that serves the families of migrant farmers on the Skagit Valley. We've sent many groups up there to work alongside them in the fields, picking berries uh, with them, uh, helping them organize uh, vacation Bible camps in the summer. Supporting them in, in uh, every way we can. And the, uh, the dreamers uh, have come down and visited us uh, here at St. Thomas. Uh, we, we treasure our relationship uh, with those good people. And four years ago, uh, they, they began um, something that they call the Foundation for Academic Endeavors. And the Foundation for Academic Endeavors uh, provides uh, uh, low income families and enriching. Uh, and really exciting five-week summer learning experience on the campus of the Skagit Valley College. You know, low-income students like these graduate uh, with, at much lower rates than the higher-income peers. And one of the factors behind that is learning loss that happens over the summer. You know, these lower-income students uh, uh, tend to fall behind their higher-income peers. And so for the past four years, the Foundation for Academic Endeavors has served 900 low-income students with great success. So 92% of the Academy students have not experienced summer learning loss, and almost half have increased their literacy skills by one or more grade levels. And this, this program also provides very challenging STEM experiences for these children. Now, normally, these lower-income students uh, start the school year about three months behind their lower-income peers. And when the schools uh, close in March, uh, we, we don't know when they're going to reopen. So it's really critical that these uh, services be provided to these students. And unfortunately, uh, uh, FAE is losing some of its funding because some of their partners, like the United Way, are scaling things back. So when I contacted uh, our friends at uh, FAE, the Reverend Robin Ringland and Reverend uh, Carol Dean, and, uh, and told them that uh, we were going to make a, an $8,000 gift to the FAE, Robin told me that she began to weep. She said that this was going to make uh, possible uh, some services for the children this summer that would not have been possible otherwise. So you see, this uh, gift that you've made that you've met, your support for these dear ones, your support for these children of migrant farmers, your support for our neighbors is a tangible, concrete, material sign of God's love. You see that? You're doing this God work for them. You're doing this God work for the women and children served by Sophia Way, who we made a, a gift to this week. 
You are doing God's work for the men of congregations, for the homeless, who we may be to this week. And remember those men, 40 of those men, uh, while they won't be physically with us this summer as they have been in the past in July, we'll still be serving them uh, in, their, in their place of residence, uh, just as we always do. So we'll continue to be in relationship uh, with those men who are experiencing homelessness. This is a concrete, material way that you are expressing God's love for them. Yes, you. Through your support, you are a tangible, concrete sign of God's power. You know, this building where I'm standing right now is going to be closed for a little while longer. It'll open up again when it's safe to do that, and we'll know when it's safe to do that because we'll be attentive to what our public health officials are telling us and, and what our uh, what our bishop is telling us. So it'll, it'll open in good time. But right now, today, through you, I want you to just know that the church in this very moment is wide open for business. Amen. For more information about St. Thomas Episcopal Church, please visit our website, www.stthomasmedina.org. That's www.st. Thomas, M-E-D-I-N-A dot org.